And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. It is on the air now. Welcome to Seven Fifty-Five is Real, presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project Seventy, celebrating seventy years of Tops baseball cards. And Eric, I'm with uh, Eric O'Flaherty, my co-host. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for The Athletic. And man, there's plenty to talk about with the Bravos and specifically Max Freed. Dude, what did you think of Max Freed yesterday in game two up in Milwaukee? Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, just, just looking in his eyes, he was that intensity he had was unreal. Uh, yeah. You could tell just looking at him, he's about to do something special, and he did. Have you ever have you ever had a, a been teammates with a guy who was so mild mannered as Max Fried, so quiet off the field and everything, and then when the game starts, he's like Mister Intensity, just flipping B-Mac. a switch. McCann was like that, yeah. really chill, nice to everybody. You yeah. cross him on the field, he's ready one, yeah. to fight. You know, and he's ready to stand in front of home plate and go Get face your to face, face with, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not let you cross home plate. One <laughs> of my favorite shit. moments of all time. Oh, that picture of that with the mask up, he's in his face. That's him though. He's he's chill all the time, but I mean, it, it's yeah. somebody cuts him off in traffic or something doesn't go his way, man. Zero to hundred <laughs> in a hurry. But I, I mean, that's that's what you saw out of Freed uh, yesterday. You know, he just came out with an intensity and aggressiveness that I think I think that shows just what a kind of you know what big games do for him and something special about him is he always seems to rise to the occasion. I mean, this run that he's on right now, though, that started at the end of. Uh, well, it started July 28th in New York. I wrote about that today in story because I remembered some comments he made, and I went back and found those during the game last night and asked him about it afterwards, and sure enough, it did start. And since that next start, beginning of the 1st of August, he has been the best pitcher in the majors. I mean, you could yeah. argue he has been the best pitcher in the majors. He had the best ERA in the second half, and that's even including some bad starts right out of the right out of the shoot. So he's only gotten better as this thing's gone on, but his last four starts – and these have been huge games. games. Yeah. At San Francisco, when they had that little losing skid going in the series finale on Sunday afternoon, tremendous. A week later at San Diego, uh, or not week later, five days later, when they lost yep. the suspended game, the conclusion of the suspended game, they tied it up, then blew it. Uh, Will Smith blew, this, blew that game. And Max comes out that night and throws that CG, that Maddox in under 100 pitches. Knocks the, that was a series they knocked the Padres out of contention, and then against the Phillies, Phillies when they're when they're trying to clinch and they sweep the Phillies, and he was incredible in that one. And then the fourth one in that run is last yesterday against the Brewers. So he's been. You could go back and look at the annals of Braves greats, as many greats as they've had, and all the Cy Young Award winners they've had, and you won't find many guys that have had a four game stretch like he just put as he put together, especially not in as significant of games as he's done it in. No, every single one of them was a big game, and he came. He showed up every single time. I mean, when he's on, when he's locked in, dealing with ninety-five fastball, he, he could he could place it, mix it in his changeup, and a devastating curveball. I mean, he and a slider, yeah, and his slider, yeah. He, you and know, he's sinker. got everything's plus, yeah. And I think the mentality to go with it, you know, he had that bulldog mentality that you always hear about guys, and it's it's strange because, like you said, he's off the field, he's pretty chill. You know? Oh my God, he's so chill. He's like, but, at a post game interview, you can barely hear him. They have to turn yeah. up the volume. He saves so it for the game when that bell rings, it, and he brings it right back down when he's after after the game. He's back to this mode. But during a game, he's like, "Don't don't even look at me wrong." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he just attacks hitters. He's so aggressive. Yeah, it's tremendous. I asked Craig Council. I've known Craig since he was a rookie with the Marlins on the '97 World Series team. I covered Craig Council. He's becoming, I think best manager in baseball. But I asked him about Freed after the game yesterday, and he said, 
the dude is he goes there's just so many strikes he comes at you and he but he doesn't give you anything to hit they're all great yeah. they're all so well located and he's got like five pitches that he keeps you off balance he's yeah. not you know he, he never gets down to two having to throw two or three pitches he's mixing everything right now he even went and caught that foul ball off the third baseline be, between dance B and Darno, and he just ran over there and got it yeah, you know that was another thing that you, you don't see a lot of pitchers do. But his focus and and intensity yesterday, when you see a pitcher come out like that, and you're the other team, and you know what kind of stuff he has, and yeah. he sends that message in the first inning, you know you're in trouble. I guarantee they don't want to see him again. Yeah, we haven't even talked about how good a hitter he is because it's like so, so secondary. But I yeah. mean, the, yeah, the guy's just uh, right now. They got to lock this guy up, man. It ain't gonna be cheap, but they got to try to lock this guy up multiple years. Cause, I mean, you got Charlie for two more years if you want him, at least one more year. Uh, you need Freed to build around. He's your guy. You know, yeah. we thought it was gonna yeah. be Soroka, and maybe it still will be Soroka, but there's big question marks. You know, with him coming back, but Freed's your guy, and he's got, and he's twenty six, seven years old, just coming into his own. There's no reason to think he can't do this for three, four, five more years. Yeah, I, you know, he's had some injury stuff. He's had some injury stuff, but that's really the only question mark about him. You know, I think he and the blister thing's got it under control. The blister thing, yeah, you know, but having the arm surgery early and and, and all that, you know, teams are always going to worry about that. But right, I mean, just the way he pitches and the stuff he has, you don't. I mean, it's it's Kershaw level, honestly. What yeah. what he's what he's doing the, and the package, he's the total package. So they get him for a good deal, man. I'd sign on the dotted line between the talent. The mentality, the intelligence. The mentality for me. The mentality and intelligence. And he's so intelligent, so cerebral, so intense, and so diligent. This guy works as hard as anybody, as a total perfectionist. And Charlie's rubbed off on him, too, as far as preparation. I was talking to Darno yesterday, and he said where before uh, uh, Freed might have tried to cram his between starts preparation, like into one night, you know, think I, I just do it all in one night, you know, he would prepare, but he would do it like in one day. He's watched Charlie like spend the whole four days between that and do it, do it, uh, not cram it all in, do it kind of slowly, but steadily and work on this and never don't leave any, uh, stone unturned, go over everything, do a little bit each day. And he's watched Charlie be methodical about that. And, uh, and, and, and Darno said it's really rubbed off on him that Charlie's whole preparation between starts uh, routine has really helped Max. He thinks so. And well, it have just gives you so much more confidence to being prepared and knowing, you know, if you, if you're just showing up and throwing the ball, when the catcher calls a certain pitch, you know, you, it, it's all that stuff. It's the first swing percentage, you know, knowing a guy's swinging first pitch and and all that little stuff that you can kind of get into detail on. Um, when you throw the pitch, you just have so much more confidence and you're so much more convicted when you know it's the right pitch. Not yeah. when you think it might be, but what you when you know it. And if you watched him pitch yesterday, he pitched with so much conviction. There was yeah. no doubt in a single pitch he threw. It was just pure attack mode. And as a hitter, when you got a guy coming at you like that, attacking you, not fidgeting around, you know, not not picking around the corners or something, but here's my best stuff and here it is. It, it's intimidating for hitters. And I just, watching them yesterday, you could just tell they were overmatched. Uh, before we go any further, game, let's should talk about this. Game three, Monday in Atlanta. We're back in Atlanta now after splitting those two in Milwaukee. Off day today, Sunday, they had a workout. Really, it was an optional workout. So the Braves really, that SNP basically gave them the day off, and which I think they've all appreciated, you know. Um, what are you going to do at this point, you know, on a, on, a, on a workout after coming back from Milwaukee? I think they benefit more from getting the rest. So um, they'll come back at it tomorrow. And the big, tr- the tricky thing is tomorrow. This is weird, man, because the Braves, the game is scheduled for 107 p.m., which is a ridiculously early hour for a playoff game on a Monday. It's a holiday, though. Yeah. But, um, if the White Sox win Lose. a game tonight, if they, yeah, if they avoid being swept, It'll stay at 107, but if the Astros sweep the White Sox tonight, get they will slot. move. They will move the Braves game to 407, which is a pretty big deal. If you're a Braves player, you're not going to know till tonight. I mean, pretty late. Whether you're playing that at sucks. one o'clock or four o'clock, yeah. I guarantee you want the lo- the later game because it's you know day games. Yeah. It's, it's always hard to fall asleep, especially day game and a playoff game. You- 107. That's a spring training start, man. Yeah. Yeah. 
or Sunday afternoon, end of a series start. But I mean, you know, there, there shouldn't be any challenge to get up for a playoff game, regardless right. of when it starts. But I always look at these starts and see, you know, sometimes they even push it to like 1210 or 1240. That's just that's just not what you're used to. And right. you can't just make a decision to fall asleep at night. You know, you're on this right. baseball routine. You're practicing these late hours all year long. You know, you can never fall asleep before 2 a.m. in the baseball season because right. majority of the games are night games. So to be sitting there tonight and just – I guarantee they're rooting for the Astros to finish it so they can get some more sleep tonight. Yeah. But you're looking at it. I mean, it, it's almost even worse. You just want to know what time you were playing for sure to kind of prepare for it. But I guarantee you they want that late game just, just to get a little more sleep and have a little more time in the morning versus rushing to the park in the morning. I would think it's got to be worse for the starting pitcher, man. Yeah. I mean, that your whole preparation, the hours you spend leading up to it, you got your whole routine thing. Okay, am I going to start this routine tomorrow at 8 in the morning? Am I going to start it at, you know, at, at noon? Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, starter yeah. gets a little later hours, though, because they can kind of show up whenever they're ready. and Right. But your whole thing, you start at home and all that, your meal and all that, you know, whatever yeah. you do. And, yeah. You know, I, I, just, I don't like a variable time at all. You know, I'd rather have just a set time, but – that's one especially thing we do in the one, playoffs. Especially not one that's decided until it'd be better if this game right here was deciding that, you know, in yeah. other words, this Boston yeah. game. So yeah. It would have really gotten it, if both of these teams had, had finished off sweeps today, or both these ALDSs had been sweeps, and then it would have another time it would have it was another it would have moved even higher up in the night game. But anyway. I'm trying to think about the shadows though. Because if you're a starting pitcher and you start like a three, four o'clock game, you get some nice shadows for yourself versus a day oh, yeah. game. The field's lit the whole time. So oh yeah. That could be a big factor too. Four o'clock with the sun and it's it's getting a lot uh darker a lot earlier now. There's no doubt gonna be shadows in the first at least for the first hour or so, I would yeah. think. Yeah. Could definitely affect them. Remember that Bumgarner, the 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 no no seven innings. That's when that game start. No, that game started at about five, I think. But that was when the it wasn't getting dark until you know nine. Yeah. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The game three matchup, you got Ian Anderson going against the Brewers, Freddie Peralta. They made it official today. The Braves thought they were going to use Freddie Peralta, but they, uh, Craig waited, Craig Council waited till today to, to announce it. And Freddie Peralta was up warming up yeah. at one point in that game too. They, if they, they were ready to use him if they needed to. So, but he will be starting. Um, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that he didn't go in game two. I mean, I know Woodruff gets so much hype, but. To me, Freddie Peralta is a more formidable foe. I mean, this guy, ten and five with a two eight one ERA during the season, oh nine seven oh WHIP, twenty eight yeah. games including twenty seven starts. And thing is, he's got hundred ninety five strikeouts in one hundred and forty four yeah. innings. Man, fifty six walks, fourteen homers. Twenty five years old, twelve point two strikeouts per nine innings is, is his ratio this year, and that's right at his career average. And he's been in parts of three seasons before this year. Uh, never been a full-time starter until this year. Um, but I, he's – when he's on, this guy can be pretty dominant. But I don't think they, the Braves have to worry about him going, you know, too deep in the game. But um, Braves got to feel a lot better about Ian Anderson than they would have three weeks ago because he really looked good in his last two starts after some shaky ones coming off the I.L. Yeah, and he's he's another guy that I think has a a, a special poise to him. 
You know, I, yeah. don't, I don't think the moment's going to be too big for him. And that's the first thing right. you, you worry about with young guys in the playoffs and that. But he's also got that just a different look to him. You know, that I don't know how many times the Brewers have seen him, but it, it could go really well for him. And pitching at home's big. But I feel good about the offense in this game, too. The team getting back home and it's going to be loud in there. Oh, yeah. Um, and Peralta, it's his first postseason start. He's only pitched yeah. in two playoff games, one in 2018, one in 2020. Both were relief appearances. I didn't check and see whether they were on the road. But, yeah, it's going to be very loud. Um, so that'll be interesting. Whereas Ian Anderson pitched in those four starts last year. He was phenomenal in the postseason last year. Yeah. The first three gave up no runs. Give up two in his uh in his NLCS his last NLCS start, so but he ended up going two and zero with a I mean he was terrific two and zero with a zero point eight zero point nine six ERA in fourth postseason starts last year, so I mean he was tremendous and that was only after making six regular season starts in his rookie year. Yeah, you know, he came up called him up midway through that pandemic shortened season, and he was phenomenal. But he never showed any nerves. And we've talked about it. It's how he kind of got to ease into the crowd thing, pitching in empty stadiums last yeah. year. And then, you know, they had limited attendance for the NLCS, then limited attendance at spring training this year. And then during the, over the course of the year, he's pitched in full houses, you know, yeah. at home and then a couple on the road too. So that crowd shouldn't be a, 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 anything for him, especially at home. Yeah, well, it's a lot. It's a lot better to make your playoff debut when the crowd's on your side. Right you know, versus on the road, on the road could be tough. I'm watching this game in Fenway, you know, just Rats a tough place. Yep. Tough place to go, you know, but I, I feel good about Ian. I feel like he, if he can get a good five or six, you know, it's, it's nice. You get that off day in the postseason. Yeah. Matt, Matzik had to work a little bit the other day, but you get him a free off day and he's ready to roll. Luke looked all right. Will did his thing. Matzik was phenomenal. Threw almost 30 pitches. Intense pitches. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that. Uh, Ian had the six-week stint on the IL after, coming out of the All-Star break, and that thing dragged on longer than people thought that initially that it would. And then he was rough coming out of that. You were really worried going, ah, he's just not going to be ready this year. I mean, that set him back too far because he had a four six six ERA. And remember, he had given up six homers in 19 innings in those first four starts back, and you're like, what is going on? Because this guy gave up one homer all last year, you know, in his starts. But in the last two, though, he looked like himself. 2.08 ERA, went six and seven innings in those two starts and gave up a total of five hits and one homer in 13 innings. So, I mean, he's, he, looks, he looks back to me. So, And that's good. I mean, those, those two have looked so much better than he did in those first four back off the I.L. Yeah, and he's honestly, he's going to be the difference maker in the playoffs. You know, if this team yeah. wants to go deep, they need him. Um, I, I yeah. feel good about Charlie. I know he got the loss the other day, but – Pitched great until they just didn't score. You know, I mean, it's if he did that and the team scored five, he's a hero. He pitched great until yeah, one bad bad pitch pitch. hit a guy and made a bad pitch. Um, and then Freed did what he did. I, I, if he if he shows up with that mentality every time, I can't see anybody rocking him. Um, but Ian's the guy that it's going to swing on, you know, that number three spot. If he can do his thing, I can put this team up against anybody. Yeah, because there's big question marks after three. Yeah. So you need you need to get some from those three and then go do what you can, piecing together a bullpen game or whatever you got to do. Um, you know, I heard some people say, couldn't you bring Charlie back on short rest for game four and then have Max on regular rest for five? I don't think at 37, when he hasn't done it, that Snit, Snit is going to do that to Charlie. And even though Charlie would gladly do it if he asked him to, I don't think you can expect him to. When he's had these routines of his, he did it on short rest, Years ago, in a relief appearance in a World Series Game 7 when he went four innings with the Astros. Yep. He's four years older now, and he hadn't done it all year. Hadn't done it in a while. I just don't think he – I don't think he ever did it with the Rays. I just don't know that you that think you can do that. And especially he went, you know, 85 pitches in his first game. Yeah. Pretty intense. Yeah. You know, I think that would be kind of – it would reek of desperation maybe if you lost this game. You know, if you lose tomorrow – then maybe you have to consider that, but that's uh, but 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 obviously you have to, Charlie has to be completely with that and go, you know, and be honest and go, yeah, I can do it. And I'm not I'm not worried about it. I can do it. You know, but I, I'd put money I, on him being willing. You know. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. But he's got to be honest and say, can yeah. you do it and do it well? 
or are you going to go out there and fall apart in two innings and then we're really screwed because you know yeah you got to go then you got to go bullpen the rest of the way and uh, but that's but you just something freed. you talk to the guy about you know like but he, it's such a good option though having freed or him for game five if you want and i don't know what i do right now <laughs> i don't either Charlie, because of the pedigree, he's the best winner go home game, uh, big game pitcher there is in history. He's the yeah. only guy with four wins in those situations. He's four and zero in those game, three game sevens in a wild card game. But at the same time, he's also not. He's thirty seven years old, and Freed right now is unbelievable. So I, yeah. I don't think it's just a gimme. I mean, because you whichever one you don't use, you'd have for game one in the next series. Yeah. Yeah. So well, they're just they're so lucky to have that luxury of oh, yeah. of making that tough choice of who you'd want to start game five and still having a fallback for game one. You know, I mean, I, I feel like it's a toss up. If Freed pitches the way he pitched last time, you know, I go to him every chance I get. But I didn't think Charlie pitched bad. I thought he pitched great. You know, he overwhelmed them great. for he overwhelmed them for a majority of the game. And yeah, you know, people are always want to criticize whether you leave a man or take him out, but. I don't know how you can take him out when he's throwing the ball like that. When it's he's a, got the history, he does. Yeah. 78 pitches. He's given up two hits and one walk to that point. Yeah. And he made a bad pitch. You know, I mean, like I said, if he, if he does, if he has that exact same start and the Braves score four. Yeah. You're talking about what a great start he had, but he, the offense didn't score. He gives up a couple and, and you wind up taking a loss on it, but he still threw the shit out of the ball. You know, I mean, there's, there was nothing about that start that made me feel bad about it. You know, everybody is guilty of the, I mean, there's so much, uh, you know, retrospectively looking at this thing, you know, revisionist history are, are, are looking at even, even, I see, even at some of the national broadcasters, I saw like Pedro looking at some of the pitches he made in that inning. He got three routine fly balls after that leadoff walk yep. in a six. None of them were even hard hit. None went yep. to the warning track, took it out of the wall. But they were pointing out, like, well, he missed with this fastball up and he missed with this. It's like, really? So that's the reason you take him out? And if what if Snit had taken him out after six innings? He's given up two hits and one walk in six plus innings. Brings him out. And the seventh inning, they give up the game. Yep. If, if anybody doesn't think that the reaction would have been even worse than it was, worse. they're crazy because it's yep. been all year. So you're in a no-win situation there if you're Snit. But, I mean, I'm looking at that going – the guy has thrown 78 pitches. If you look at his, it's what he's done in the last two months, he's routinely thrown 90 to 100 and sometimes yeah. 105 pitches. You're going to take him out at 78 pitches with two hits and a walk and six scoreless innings? Because he, and then they said, well, yeah, but he hit the leadoff guy. You take him out. So he threw a fastball, hit him on a one two <laughs> pitch. That means you got to take him out. I, I just didn't get it. I don't, I don't know why people feel like they have to be act like they're smarter than ever, the, than the manager by questioning that. I just didn't think that was – and I'm not defending Snit. I'm just saying I would not have taken a guy out. Well, it's – hindsight's twenty twenty, But, you know, I watched the Yankees-Red Sox game. They yanked Eovaldi at 71 pitches. And yeah. the Yankees couldn't touch him. Next guy – the only reason they got saved by that decision, I thought it was a terrible decision just, just because there's his mindset. You know, I watched that um, – Mets That's documentary the playoff games these days. Yeah, but the thing is, is when a team can't touch and touch your starter, they yeah. will take anybody on earth over the dude that's on the mound and mowed him yeah. down for six innings already. Yeah, and and the Yankees yanked Eovaldi or the Red Sox yanked Eovaldi. The next hitter, Stanton, hit a ball four hundred to left center, torched right. it. And if he was playing in any other park, it's probably a homer and and, and blows the game. But then, you know, bounce off the wall, judge gets thrown out at home, and they kind of get off the hook. But when I watch those, just like the Snell thing last year, I just think of the yep. offense's mentality where they can't hit the dude and they They're feel going, defeated. You. And it, it as soon as they say thank you, you know, that mindset change of we yep. got a shot now is yep. something I always want to avoid. And I think, you know, if Snit had yanked Charlie before that inning started and yep. the bullpen gives it up, he's a shitty manager then too. So there's – there's some situations as a manager where you just can't win. Hindsight's twenty twenty, and you're going to get ripped no matter what. And I also should say, I would think differently if this was the Braves bullpen when they first got Rich Rodriguez, and mm -hmm. also with Chris Martin, if he'd been like he was the last two, when if they had five guys, I'm saying, five yeah, deep. do it, yeah. do it. 
but they're three deep basically. Mm-hmm. You're three deep, so you're going to yeah. use that on him, and then you know the next day expect all those guys to come back. I mean, I just if you didn't have to, I think you get one more inning out of Charlie, and that's what he would have done. He wouldn't have gone past seven with him, you no. know. He wouldn't have gone past seven, and then you turn it over. You got two innings. You got two innings. You're going to use Luke Matzik and and Will Smith. Yeah. So, but anyway. It worked out for the Braves the next night. They split this thing, and uh, and but I just uh, I, I I didn't understand how people. It, and if Charlie would have been at ninety pitches, that's also different. But we saw yep. all year we saw Snit give this guy the chance to go out, and it almost always worked for Charlie, and he appreciated yep. it, you know. And yep. this guy routinely went ninety to hundred pitches or more. So that just uh, yeah, I don't, I don't question that one. That's just, you know, managers are just going to get torched anytime a decision doesn't work out, but they never get credit when it does. And then he got torched again last night for taking Freed out, but yeah. it worked out. Yeah. But if it had not worked out, can you imagine what they'd be saying today? He screwed up both nights is what they'd be saying today. <laughs> yeah, with two different decisions in the same situation. Right. I I had more problem with yesterday with him taking Freed out than I did with not taking Charlie out, to be honest. Yeah. Um, he, he did say... If if it had come up, if Charlie had, had uh, come up to bat, or if Freed had Taking come up to out. bat, I'm, I'm sorry, if Charlie had come up to bat, he would have taken him out, right? Yeah. If his spot would have come up. Yesterday, he wanted to get Jock Peterson at, a right-handed at bat. Yep. At a bat against a right-hander. And it almost worked, too. He got that hit. Solar takes it to the wall. Yeah. Solar hit. The, that, that, I mean, that ball almost went out, man. Yep. And that two-run homer, then you're not saying anything. No, but, it's just that's just how it is managing. <laughs> but I, I, you know, I, that was I, I, the Freed one surprised me more than anything. And I thought Snit would never concede or admit that it was the case. But I thought it was a little bit of a response to the previous day. Um, I don't think he goes on social media and all that, but I think he was aware from the questions that he he got in the interview room and everything that people were second guessing him or whatever. Um, his rationale for taking Freed out was that sixth inning was very intense. That he thought he left it all out there, um, you know. I thought Freed looked great in the sixth inning. You know, I thought he looked like he could keep going, but he did give up the double. That was the first extra base hit. Yeah, he gave up that double, uh, but he got out of it pretty quick. But anyway, um, he gets through it in eighty-one pitches or whatever, and he should be fine uh, to come back and and game five if they want him. And if not, then. They got options. You got options, which you didn't have a year ago when there was no off days in the series when you were the Braves would not such have been a in great shape. Difference. Yeah. It's such a big difference. Guys, let's take a quick break and then we'll finish up the show. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. The way that they stepped up yesterday, the Braves pitchers yesterday, uh, because, I mean, Charlie gave you a great game the night before, but yesterday Freed goes phenomenal for six, and then you turn it over, Luke comes in and struck out two guys, and then they get two on base. Matzik came in, and I thought Matzik was just phenomenal. I mean, anybody worried about Matzik and his past, you know, the mental stuff and all that, he was pitching in a, it was loud in there and they've got, you know, that place was rocking. And for him to get through that, that tells me he can handle any of this stuff now because they were, they had 44,000 people there and they were all waving the things and and you got two guys on base and he made some huge pitches and he had to strike the one guy out twice because he got screwed on the one two strike pitch. Was and the he made roof closed? Not not yesterday. It was it was no. closed the first game and open yesterday. I couldn't tell much difference on the field. I'm sure you could, but it sounded just as loud to me yesterday. It was loud. Either way, it's loud. I mean, you get forty four thousand people yelling. It's it's loud no matter what. But when that roof's closed, yeah, it's like it echoes and it's double in there. But either way, you know, I I mean, I kind of think about the same thing with Matzik all the time. Just haven't seen what the yips can do to a pitcher. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's crazy that the yips are that powerful that he's he's been doing this for years. Yeah. 
and he's put it behind him and you're still, mm -hmm. that's how powerful the yips are where it's still like, you know, is this situation going to be the one that, right. that kind of sends him back in there? But I'll say this about him. When he got those big strikeouts, he didn't fist pump. He didn't do anything. Yeah. He, that tells me his confidence is sky high and he just expects to get out of those situations. And he, every time he's in one, man, uh, he's a guy that I wouldn't take out if he creates a mess for himself. Yeah. I'd let him keep chucking because his fastball is almost unhittable. And he threw some breaking balls for strikes yesterday too, some nasty ones. Yeah. And he's looking good. That was a huge jam he got out of that Luke left him with two on. Mm -hmm. And then he creates his own jam, get two guys, and got out of another back-to-back -back innings. I mean, he threw like 26 pitches or whatever, and they were intense pitches. He got out of some – I mean, he quieted that crowd because they were on wow. their feet, man. And he yeah. shot them down with that strikeout, that last one. And Snick gets no credit for that, you know, making the right move, leaving him in there to clean up his own mess, having that feel, knowing he yeah. has balls and he can get out of jams. You don't get any credit for that. He had that one strikeout. He thought he had it, and uh, but he he said he only thought he had it because because Darno ran away. Because Darno started walking away, and then he then he was like, "Oh, it's not." So he kind of span and went back out and did it and threw another one. Yep, and that sucks because then you know in in the back of your head you feel like you just showed up the umpire and you're not going to get yeah. anything. Right. You know, I mean, that can get in guys' heads too, where they're like, you know, shit. Now I got to be perfect. This ump's not going to give me anything. You yank a ball, but yeah, he's he just. He never, you know, especially for a guy that had the yips in the past, which is an anxiety thing, a thinking thing. He yeah. never seems to go back there, no matter how big the situation yeah. is. He keeps it's firing because there are not many guys that have ever come back from it and kept doing, kept pitching. I mean, it's usually the end. Yeah, first two first two Brewers reached against him in the eighth on a walk and a soft single, and then he goes strikeout F nine strikeout. Against their two through four hitters, which was yeah. also important because then he leaves Will Smith, starts with number five, Yelich, who is not yep. the player he was a couple of years ago, obviously. But Will Smith, instead of facing the heart of the order, he's facing, you know, yeah, you know, well, they always say that, you know, the setup man sometimes throws a bigger inning than the closers. They don't right. get the glory, but, but having those heart of the order. But having those two guys reach base against him, he, he had to get through the heart <laughs> of the order instead of Will coming in and facing, you know, their number three hitter. He starts with their number five. Yeah, with Matzik's stuff, though, I don't care who's up. If he locks yeah. in and he, and he makes his pitches, because his fastball, I don't I don't think it gets enough credit, but he can blow anybody away with his fastball, yeah. and everybody knows he's throwing it. That's why you see such awkward swings and awkward takes when he does throw a breaking ball, because he's like 90% fastball. Yeah. They know it's coming, and he just blows it by him. He must have something like, you know, crazy extension or really good spin on that thing. Because even when he misses with it down the middle, it's a foul ball. And then he hits his spot. It's either a take. They can't pull the trigger. Or he just blows it by him. But his fastball is elite. There aren't many lefties with stuff like him coming out of the pen, man. No. Jake McGee did it for a long time, living on that fastball. But when you have a fastball that you can throw in any count, hitters still can't hit it. Yeah. That's a fun place to be. Luke's uh, did you see Luke's tweet that he put up yeah. within it was that was within yeah. 20 minutes of the end of the game he goes yeah. to the clubhouse and did that tweet well he's fired up because those are his runs yeah <laughs> Luke tweeted Luke Jackson tweeted within 20 minutes of the last pitch Tyler Nutsack N-U-T-Z-A-C-K yep. Tyler Nutsack that's it that's the tweet <laughs> it's got over 5,000 likes <laughs> I was like man I wonder how the front office feels about that one I think the Braves official online. I think their Braves official thing retweeted it well, there you go times have changed <laughs> <laughs> yeah well that's you used to not be able to wear your sunglasses on the front of your hat <laughs> right. now you can tweet about a Nutsack well they still can't wear the sunglasses on the front of their hat <laughs> oh okay it's amazing Jock Peterson's out there yesterday I was I noticed this. He's out there during BP yesterday. He's got he's got his Air Jordans on, high tops. He's got his his pants rolled up all the way above his knees, so it looks like he's got on shorts because he's got you know all this, the leg between the socks and the knee. He's got his pullover on. He's got no cap on. He took his cap off first. He had his cap on sideways with the sunglasses. He did respect that though with the sunglasses on the back of the cap, <laughs> but he's got it on like half jack to the side. And yeah. he's like, he, he was trying to hit with that on. So he just took it off. So he's up there hitting with this, with this platinum blonde Mohawk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and like the three praise officials are standing there. Terry McGurk, uh, John Sherholtz, they're all standing there like 20 feet away while he's walking past. It was great. You know, that, that stuff probably still catches their eye, but I think the organization as a whole has done a pretty good job of just kind yeah. of adjusting to the times and yeah. 
knowing, you know, it's, it's just a different game now and you got to let guys have fun, but it's counterproductive to fight it, man. Cause you want these guys to have fun and they're so relaxed and this part of the whole vibe and you don't want to disrupt that by pissing off a couple of them with some petty rule, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You want guys to want to play there. Yeah. Especially when Jock goes out and, you know, hits a pinch hit home run. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's, October. That's kind of how baseball has been for the longest time though, is you can push a lot of limits if you're raking. Or, Ten or, or jacks, up man. Zeros. Yeah. Ten postseason homers. That's the first one for anybody other than the Dodgers. Yeah. I, you know, I, I seriously would consider giving him a start myself in in place of either in place of either Duvall or Rosario. Duvall's really scuffling. Rosario laid down that bump, but he didn't do it much either. And and Jock's going to give you as good or better defense. And who knows? He might run into one. I mean, he's got a postseason track record, but. Snit knows what he's doing, knows how he's using them, and it's obviously working so far. I just Duvall is really struggling, man. He struggled last year in the postseason, and he struggled at the end of this season. I mean, I know he's capable at any time of hitting one out. Look at 113 RBIs, but he's scuffling. Yeah. That's one of those tough calls, too, you know? I mean, going with the hot hand in the postseason versus what got you there. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you go with the guy that – you know, Duvall could go two for three with two homers tonight. Right, right. Over for three with strikeouts lost you. When a guy's cold and another guy's hotter, another guy's got that track record, that's one of those tough calls. Yeah. You know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't enjoy being in this position. It'd be easy if they had a lefty starter. Yeah, that you that'd know? solve it for you. That would solve it for you. As it is, they don't have any lefties at all. Right. So um so Freed, he he got a 2-0 lead entering the bottom of the third, and you had to feel good about that at that point. They had the two runs. He had a uh, Jorge Soler pulled that line drive double. Dude, he fucking, that was blistered. He blistered yeah. that ball. And by the way, did you see the foul ball that he hit? Yeah. Oh, my God, dude. People from the Milwaukee were saying, I don't think I've ever seen a ball hit that high in that upper deck. Their upper deck is really high. It's straight yeah. up. And that thing was three-quarters of the way up the upper deck. I mean, it was like, it reminded the one Daryl Strawberry once hit out of Montreal when the roof was still open. Yeah. He went out of the roof there in Montreal. Or if the roof was closed, whatever it was, they did not have a line, a foul line painted up there. So now there was a, there's a line painted on the, all the way up on the roof at Montreal to show the foul because that's where Strawberry hit one and they didn't know if it was fair or foul. <laughs> but that's what it reminded me of. That's how high and far it was. So there, God, that man can hit some balls, dude. Woo. Well, he's, he's Daryl Strawberry plus another yeah. 20, 30 yeah. pounds of mass. Right. No that's doubt. a big boy. So he hits that line drive double down the left field line. Freddie does what he does, RBI single. And then Ozzy Albies hits a double off the top of the right field wall that hit the yellow. If it goes literally another inch, inch. One it inch. hits the yellow and bounces that way instead of bouncing. He had to hit yep. the front of the yellow to come back. So he hits yep. another inch, and it's a two-run jack, man. As it and was, it was an RBI double. So you got a 2-0 lead, and you got to feel good at that point because Freed – in his 10 of his last 12 starts during the season, he gave up one or no earned runs. One or fewer runs, 10 of his last 12 starts. When you're when you're facing Freed and you're down two or three runs early, you know, I mean it's 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 gotta be hard to be the other team and have a have a good mindset like we're getting back in this thing. Yeah. When you see the way he's throwing the ball and the team puts up runs early, I always think that's so big. Whoever jumps out to that early lead in the postseason. Yeah. You look and you got an ace or a number two on the mound that's locked in. That's so big for the rest of the game, just to just to kind of just set the tone yep. and, and jump ahead early. It seems that's like those games he did set the tone, and then those guys give him two runs, and it's like, yeah. Well, especially if you're feeling like that and you're freed and you get a little run support, yeah, you're like, oh, that's a wrap. Because he wasn't getting that earlier in the season when he was pitching great. He had yeah. a lot of games there where he pitched great and got no decisions or even a loss. Mm-hmm. that game I was talking about July 28th against the Mets. That's the game where he decided he gave up four singles and a walk in an inning early in that game, only one run. And he said in the past, I would have tried after that in like that, I would have tried to strike everybody out and avoid contact. And he realized he could just keep making pitches and let him put it in play. And from that point on, I said, I said, did you follow that approach since then? He goes, yes, I did. He goes, and he and he, and he said, absolutely allowed him to get deeper into games because he stopped trying to strike everybody out. He's had a couple of nine strikeout games like that when he had 
two days ago, but or yesterday. But for the most part, he strikes out like five, seven guys. Yeah, but he goes or, deep. Yeah, and the two, the two uh, nine-game Maddoxes that he threw under a hundred pitches, he only had like four strikeouts. Yeah, I mean it's not a coincidence, you know. Well, it's that's something for him to remember though, and and that's just another sign of maturity is he doesn't have to strike guys out. He can get weak contact. Yeah. If you watch his fastball, one of them sinks, one of them, one of them tails, one of them cuts. He goes inside, the ball cuts in on the righties. He goes away, it sinks away. Sometimes he goes middle and it rides up. You know, if if he pitches with his fastball and pitches to contact, he's still going to get swings and misses, but he can get a ton of weak contact, pop-ups, ground balls, all that stuff. That's that's probably stuff that, that, you know, watching Charlie pitch and being around Charlie, he really learned too because – Everybody blows up when you strike out yeah. 10, but yeah. <laughs> going eight, I mean, that's yeah, that's just as big. Because Ian Anderson's had a couple of those games where he struck out like nine guys. And going but, five. And he didn't pitch. Yeah, he threw 90 yeah. pitches in five innings. Yeah. And Max has realized that he, he can go seven to nine innings in, in under 100 pitches when he's pitching a weak contact and trying to get those early and count ground balls or yeah. pop-ups, fly, early, easy flies. Um. Yeah, he's got the four seamer, the sinker, the slider, the curve, the changeup. I mean, and he could throw them all, man. Yeah, and he does use them all. Um, so yeah, he's got that going in that game with a two zero early lead, and then Austin Riley adds the bomb. It's I mean, Austin Riley is, is just silencing critics each day that are wondering when it's going to end for him, when he's going to revert to the old Austin because he's not. I think this is the guy now. You know, he's too smart. If yeah. you watch those those clips when he went on. MLB network and talk with DeRosa yeah. about his swing and the adjustments he's, he's, he's making understanding what, you know, if, if he pops a ball up, what that tells him about his swing, yeah. being able to hunt windows. When he said yeah. that, I was like, shit, I haven't heard that before, but hunting windows, you know, looking down in a way and anything in that area, he's swinging. Cause you'll see him get locked up, yeah. you know, fastball in or fastball away sometimes to strike out looking, but when they throw it in the window, he's looking at, it, it seems like he doesn't miss. Yeah. That's Mike Brumley. That's his, working with Mike Brumley. He's like channeling him, man. That, that, that guy's locked in with him. He's been That's a cool. godsend for him. Um, yeah, that stat was two or fewer runs freed allowed in 10 of his last 12 starts during the season, and only two runs, one earned in 23 innings in his last three starts. So then add six more. Scoreless on top of that, he's given up one earned run in 29 innings in his last four starts. And that his ERA is like 0-3, man. He's four and zero with an ERA like o three one. I put the stat in. It was like I was like I had to add it up like three or four times to make sure I wasn't missing something. <laughs> I mean, twenty a twenty six strikeouts. I got it here. One walk in four starts. One you walk. Feel, when you're on a run like that, you just feel invincible. You know, yeah. there's there's no anxiety. There's no second guessing, and you're just free and easy and just firing and attacking hitters. You know, that confidence just builds and builds. He's in a good place. And I went back and looked at the strikeouts in that game yesterday. First inning, he struck out Adamas on a 94.8 four-seamer. Second inning, he struck out Garcia swinging at a slider. Third inning, struck out Pena swinging on a slider. Fourth inning, Freed gets Yelich looking at a 1-2, 95-mile-an-hour sinker to end the fourth inning. He struck out three of four batters in that inning. Two of them were looking. Adamas struck out on a uh, 3-2, 96-mile-an-hour four-seamer. Escobar swinging at a 95-mile-an-hour four-seamer. Okay, so he was through four scoreless innings and 55 pitches with six strikeouts, no walks, two singles. Fifth inning struck out Pena on three pitches to end of a 1-2-3-fifth. It was his seventh strikeout, and that was his first with a curveball. Yeah. With all, how great his curveball is, that was his first strikeout with a curveball in the game. But they know he has it. You yeah. Know, those those strikeouts looking on the fastball, that's them respecting that devastating breaking ball. And if he's firing, I mean, I just I can't imagine trying to cover as many pitches as he has. Yeah. With that velocity too. Yeah, he's he's in he's he's in the zone right now. Then in the sixth, he gets old friend Jace Peterson, who still he had a pretty good year for the uh, Brewers. Yeah. A, a big hits. He popped out to start the end, and then he struck out Colton Wong, and then Adamas doubled. That was just the third Brewer to reach base and the first to get past first base. 
Oh, and, that's that makes it tough, man. The, who who do you throw in game five? And then he brings up Escobar. They bring up Escobar, and he strikes him out on a swing and on a two two ninety five point seven fastball to end the inning. I mean, he was just it was phenomenal. He was so good. I just can't get over it. if 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 you watched him walking around the mound, the the look in his eyes, the intensity, the confidence. Yeah, you know if you if you're another team and and you're Jose Fernandez used to be like that when he'd yep. come out and pitch against you and he'd have six strikeouts through three innings or something like that. But you'd walk, you'd see his body language walking around the mound. Scherzer that, stalks around the Scherzer, mound. Scherzer. That's actually who Freed reminded me of yesterday, the way he was just stalking them, yeah. walking in that circle after a strikeout. Like he wasn't done yet. Like he was, he was just feeding off of this. He loved it. Guys that, and, guys that embrace the moment like that. And he's been, he's able to do this now without, getting overdone, you know, without getting too hyped up where he yeah. can't pitch, you know, he's yeah. not getting overly excited. He's, he's got that channel like Scherzer does where yeah. you pitch like a caged animal, you know? Yeah. It's uh yeah, he's gotten to that point. He's, he's figured out so much. I just think Charlie has helped him so much. I just have a, 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 a feeling that Charlie has really done a lot to help him this year. Not that he wasn't getting there on his own. Cause he was, yeah. he was great last year, but, but he, it's hard to believe how much he struggled early this year for almost four months. Remember, yeah. Freed had the two. He had the blister thing. He had the hamstring thing. His ERA was over five. It was still in the low fours four months into the season. Yeah. And he's when, just been phenomenal. When he gets locked in. It's, yeah. Um, we asked uh, Tyler afterwards. Tyler was asked, would you call him the stopper because you know what he did in San Francisco again and then the game in San Diego and now he does this after you lose game one. Would you call is 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 Max now the stopper? Would you call him stopper? And and Matzik goes, I'd call him the best starter in the second half, talking about it in the majors. I'd call him the yeah. best starter the best starter going down the stretch, a guy that's been absolutely dominating in games that we need to win. He has been. And, and you know, I think that's another thing we talked about was just going into the postseason with must-win games. He got a taste yeah. of it. He got to pitch in two or three of those before, you know, before the postseason started. But those games, you know, with intensity, big crowds at Truist, big crowds in San Diego on the road, going yeah. into San Francisco, those are all tough places to piss to pitch. And he just kept passing the test. And San Diego was too, when he threw the night that nine in complete game. That was a lot of people there. That was loud because they were still in it. It sent them home. Um yeah, to start that series after they had won the end of the suspended game. People were it was a Friday night and there were a lot of people loud yeah. there. Yeah, and he pitched t- tremendous that night. Um since the beginning of August, I told you he had the 174, he had the best year in a major second half, but since the beginning of August, he's now 8-0 with a 1-3-5 ERA in 12 starts. The Braves have won 11 of those games. He's allowed one or no earned runs in nine of those 12 games. He is, but here's the, the last four starts, 4-0, 0.31 ERA. I, I asked Craig Council about it. He said it's just a ton of strikes. There's no free pitches for hitters. He doesn't leave stuff in the middle. The slider's a really good pitch to the right-handed hitters. It kind of bears in on their hands, and he pairs that with a fastball on their hands because he's just a really good pitcher executing a lot of pitches. It spells a tough night for the offense. Everything's moving. You know, everything's – he doesn't have a straight fastball. He, You know, even like I said, when he throws that four-seamer in, it's got some cut to it. Mm-hmm. There's nothing straight. It's four plus pitches, you know, uh, what are hitters supposed to do? He had the four starts last year. He, he had, uh, Freed was already good. Obviously he had a 24 and six record, three, five, seven ERA in 44 games, 41 starts over the two nineteen and 2020 seasons. Right. This is first two seasons in the majors, full seasons, really. And then, then he has a three Oh four ERA last October and four postseason starts. He didn't get a win in any of those. Last night was his first win. He didn't get a win in those, but they won three of those first four games until game six of the NLCS. Um, Snett really thought that postseason experience helped him a lot with what he's dealing with this year. But early this year, remember, he had the hamstring, he had the recurring blister thing. He had a 5-1-2 ERA after his first eight starts this year. Then that game against the Mets I talked about on July 28th. At that point, he was 7-7. Seven and seven. He lost that game. It was 4-3-2 ERA. But he only gave up two runs that night, seven innings. 
They lost two to one. That was kind of the way it was going for him early. But since that night, he's been unbelievable. And during this four-start run, I'm going to get those totals right here. I mean, because they are just, like I said, I had to add them up like three times to make sure I was getting, I had it right. He has got, in those four starts, um, uh, in the 12 games, he's given up 51 hits, 12 earned runs, four homers in 80 innings with 73 strikeouts and nine walks, right? Opponents have a, barely have a 200 on base percentage in those 12 games against him. OPS is well under 500. Now it was, it was 492 before yesterday. So it's like much lower than that now. Um, and in the four game stretch, he has got, what is that? Let's see, he's allowed one earned run, 13 hits in 29 innings, 24 strikeouts and one walk. Walks. I mean, that's that's the big one. You know, I mean, I mean that's Maddox like right there, man. When you got stuff like his, really the only offense, the only hope the offense has is you put a couple guys on for him and you get that one knock. When he's not walking anybody, strike people out or pitch yeah. to contact, get double plays. You know, just it. I, I guess that's mainly what I, what I see in him is just the aggressiveness, just fearless attacking hitters with plus plus stuff. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's it, he's just a handful right now. I, I, you know, the more we talk about it, and the more you throw those numbers out, I don't, I don't know what I'd do if we get to game five. Um, regarding pulling him out, pulling him after six eight, I told you what Snit said. Um, Tyler Matzik said, you know, we think he could go another inning. We think he's got more in the tank, but, you know, he got pulled when he did. So, okay. Uh, Freed answered it perfectly. It was diplomatic, and he answered it just like he does everything perfectly. He said, did he want to go back out since he'd only thrown 81 pitches in six innings? And he said, in the moment, I don't pay attention to the pitch count. I don't try to look at it. I'm ready to pitch until Snit comes over and says it's done or takes the ball out of my hand. Then I'm done. You can sit there and try to figure it out. But for me, it's just a lot easier. When Sniff says that I'm done, I'm done. And I was good with that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what else you expect him to say there. You right. know, I mean, it's it'd be a dick move to come out and say I had two more in me. And Right. I really wanted to go back out. I don't know why he took me like out, that. you know. But, I mean, guys are going to say the right stuff. I guarantee you he wanted to go back out. He was ready to go back out. But, yeah. That's just the type of stuff as, you know, I think the only time you think about it is when a manager's had a quick hook with you. The only time yeah. it affects you. Right. You've had right. that quick hook with him and he gets into the fifth and he gets in trouble. It, it just adds pressure. But knowing that, you know, they're going to stick with him if they get a chance and, and just put it aside and just deal. When yeah. they take me out, they take me out. I mean, it's a great mindset to have. Matt said. Was, we read those stats to him. Matzik said, and I mean, we trust him as a team. We want him to go another inning. Understood that he did his job, but I think this guy has got more in the tank, and I think he could do something real special as we go down the stretch. In other words, he's looking at another, a start later in this postseason when, hey, maybe you leave him in to go seven or eight innings and see what he does. Yeah. So, But it was something to see, man, and they needed it. He stepped up. He's just stepped up so many times time. when they've really, really needed it. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's really sh- shows some some stones there, man. Yeah, they, they got a lot Zach. of pictures with stones on this team with Nutsack. Yeah, Luke, Tyler, and Will Smith. Say what you will about him, but that dude comes in once again, walks the leadoff guy, gives <laughs> yeah. up a little single. You're like, are you fuck? Are you kidding me? Yeah. It's a it's a three zero game. The the tying run is now at the plate with none out in the ninth, and this place is going bonkers. They're going crazy. So he gets a little fly out, routine fly, right? Still two on. So what does he do? You're going, okay, how's he going to get the game? Double play grounder, and it's over just like that. Yep. You know, the crowd's getting all jacked up, and it's over in one pitch. He can get that double play. Uh, he does it a lot. It's something about closers, man. They just have that ability to, to you know, maintain a positive mindset. Yeah. Maintain that I'm only a pitch away, you know, and stick yeah. to it. Cause a lot of guys get overwhelmed by that situation. You know, I talk about that a lot with, with big crowds and playoffs and, and young guys and getting overwhelmed. You, it's like what Leo Mazzoni said, you get in that situation, you try to go to your superpower, you try to overthrow, you try to do more. 
um, you know, you can only learn through experience that in those situations, it's still tough to hit. If you make a pitch, you're getting out of it. And it's a lot easier said than done. You know, it, it takes a special guy to be able to remain calm and, and just keep making pitches and not try to do too much. And that's something most closers have. And give Will Smith all the shit you want. Even in San Diego, man, yeah. he stayed calm in, in what looked like an oh, impossible, impossible situation to get out Faces of. He just kept making pitches. Yeah. And there's something, he, you know, he's got that mentally. You know, if, if he has to create a mess to, to lock in, that's yeah. something that – you know, you'd like him to to work on and 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 pitch like that from the first hitter on. But whatever it is about him, you know, he he has that ability to buckle down and and not get overwhelmed by the situation and, and keep making pitches. I know it's not fun for fans, but yeah, he finds a way to get it done, and that's all that matters. I, I tell you what, during, after he blew that save in San Francisco to start that long road trip, I wrote that he need, Snit needed to change closers, and that yep. Snit was in danger of all the good that he'd done with his team being undermined by staying with Will Smith. I will gladly admit now I was wrong. And maybe before this is over, maybe Will Smith will blow a save and that's how yep. they'll they'll exit from the postseason. But right now, but Snit was right to stay with him because he has done nothing since then but show some big balls and get out of a lot of big yeah. jams. I mean, yeah. I don't think he's blown a save since then. No. Nope. He had that he game in San Diego, but that wasn't a save. They never led that when he gave up that after they tied it. But he's had some- the postseason. It's all about the guys with balls, you know, yeah. all the guys that can that can handle that situation and you know, tone it down and stay calm. And plus, he has that ability to do it. Plus I suggested, uh, you know, Luke Jackson in that spot. Cause I didn't think Matzik, you know, mentally I wouldn't try, I wouldn't do it. Well, I mean, both of those guys are so crucial in the roles they're in, Yeah, you know, especially with Rich Rodriguez and Chris Martin, not even on the postseason roster. And rightfully so they didn't, they, they, they pitched themselves right off the roster. So we didn't even talk about that. Were you at all surprised? I mean, it was the right decision, but I was a little surprised that left both of them off. Both of them, yeah. And Dylan Lee yeah, went with the it went with the rookie who had just made his debut in the last weekend of the season. But that yes. left-handed breaking ball against this Brewers team, it was a yeah. matchup specific decision. Yeah, and those those things come into play. Um, you know, Martin hasn't been the same for a while, oh, so I wasn't I wasn't too surprised by that. He just hasn't. Um, they gave him every opportunity to show it. Yeah, and if you're him, you know you can't be mad. You, no. you definitely got the opportunity to prove it and show it. Rich Rod, it was just like. Uh, boom all yeah. of a sudden Went all from, of a sudden unhittable fastball to yep. extremely hittable fastball i don't overnight. understand it at all and you can't say it was sticky stuff because he pitched great at when they got him that was after the sticky stuff rule went into effect and it was it, it, like you said we were all going how's he doing this but he wasn't he wasn't giving up anything yeah and then he gives up five homers in the last 10 appearances yeah you know like it's, 13 hits in nine and a third innings five homers you can't go yeah, with that. Then, yeah, I wouldn't say. I mean, I was surprised they left them both off and went with a guy that's pitched in two big league games. You know, you don't you don't know how he's going to handle coming into a situation like Matzik was in. Right. Or if you get into extra innings, you got to throw him an inning. You don't know. But I definitely think that, you know, what those guys showed, uh, Martin struggled for quite a while. Rich Rod, you know, they gave him the opportunities too, and he kept getting hit. They brought yeah. him into games that, that weren't intense. He kept giving up homers and, and really hard hit balls. And you know, can't he had do that a, in the postseason. No. And so whatever it is that's changed with him, um, you, you don't have time to find out. You know, yeah. you, when a guy has one pitch yeah. and that one pitch is getting torched, you, you can't take a chance that, you know, maybe this adjustment he made in the bullpen before game one is is the big one. That you're going to have to bring him in in yeah. a huge situation. And if that fastball still hasn't doesn't have that same life to it or it's not playing – and he gets torched, you look, it, it, it's like, well, that was obvious. You know, he hasn't, he hasn't made right. that adjustment, you know, but what, what were you expecting? Yeah. What I mean, were you expecting? And look at these first two games. There's been a total of six runs scored in two games. You can't afford to have a reliever coming in. who's giving up a home run every time he goes out there, you know? Yeah. And the yeah, days off be- having two guys that can go deep in games. Yeah. And the days off, they only went with 12 pitchers where the speculation was, would they go 13 or maybe even 14? But it made sense. You don't need that many with the days yeah. off. So I think if he'd have gone with 13, you probably would have ended up with one of those guys on. But maybe not. You might have gone with Strider, the other rookie that just made his debut. You know? Yeah, and the only thing is, you know, you could have used this series if you got 
if you got down seven or eight runs to bring one of those guys in and, and see if their adjustments had, had played right. through, but that's, but, but that's the only chance you're yeah. going to get. You can't bring and you're not planning on that. <laughs> no. And you can't bring them into a big situation no. pitching like that. Absolutely. So I guess it makes sense. It's, it's a definitely a hard call because those guys have a track record of being able to handle the load and be pretty good. But, but Chris Martin doesn't have a track record in the postseason. Remember, recently. he got hurt his first time out and they were, they were yeah. screwed that year. They had to move free yeah. to the, to the uh, bullpen as a result. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think, you know, it's as a player, if, if I'm one of those guys, I understand, I get it. You know, I haven't, I haven't been myself. I haven't been good. You can't, you know, you're on that team. If you're Rich Rod or Chris Martin, you're, you're on that team to pitch big innings and in big situations. Yeah. You're not there to have, you know, length out of the bullpen. So they kind of just had to go with other guys. I, I, I know their teammates understood it, you know, I mean, yeah. but you know, the only awkward thing about it is, Rich Rod is under contract. I mean, he'll be back next year. <laughs> but, yeah, but he's got to he's got to take that on the chin. Exactly, he's got to light a fire under him. You got to figure something out, man. You got to yeah. develop a second pitch. You got all offseason. You got to work on that thing. Yeah, you got to have something a better second pitch. But he's not going to do that until that that no. fastball stops getting hit and he gets left off. Right, the and you weren't going to do that in the middle of the season. You know, Snit talked no. about that one time. He needs to develop something to get him off that fastball. You can't do that with a month left in the season, obviously. Yeah, and you know, if, if I'm him. If I'm him, I'm going to be ambitious. I'm going to go send me to winter ball and let me pitch for a month down in Mexico or Puerto Rico Throw or whatever. sliders. Yeah. Throw a thousand fucking sliders. Sliders, you know, change-ups, whatever. Yeah. But do something. something. I mean, you got a chance to take ownership, man, of this situation. If you want to if you want to, to avoid the same thing happening next year, you got to mix it up. Well, I, I tell guys that all the time, too. You know, like with my career – I had five straight years where I could just throw a sinker and it's a ground ball every time. Right. And then I hit that same button and that thing was in the gap. Right. And it's, it's, you know, it's a tough adjustment to make and it's not one you're going to make until you get hit. But yeah. when you hit September and you've been relying on this pitch all season and it's yeah. just not there anymore, you're throwing in the same spots where you were getting foul balls when you missed and strikeouts when you hit your spot. You know, I mean, it, it's a short time frame to try to make a big adjustment and, Still, you know, it's one thing if even if right now they send him to instructional league or whatever's going on where he can get some work and you're punching out a ball guys on a slider, right? You still don't know if that's yeah, going to play against the winter me. ball. Yeah, you say some veteran hitters. I just I don't know how you get him back on the roster and feel good about it without you know a blowout to test him out in against major right. league hitters. So yeah, he can't do it in the postseason. He's definitely in a tough spot, but without I mean, injuries, that, you can't do it in the postseason. I can't imagine saying this or having this conversation a month and a half ago. Yeah, exactly. He was, he was, <laughs> he was, he was so out. great. We were talking about how much depth they added, they added to the bullpen getting him. Yeah. For the first month, he was great. Yep. Yeah, it's wild, man. But he never had that that hit, that sinker you had, that unhittable sinker, dude. It was like a 93-mile-an-hour fastball that we're like, how's he doing this? <laughs> but yeah, but it was working, you know? It was why working. Would, why would he adjust when I guys know. kept swinging through it, popping it up, grounding out to second? Yeah. Oh, there's He just doesn't – He's a, it's unfortunate for him because he doesn't have time to make the adjustment and, a, you know, a, a place to showcase it and show that it works to get back on the roster. Right. But the Pirates were willing to give him up for, you know, not, it wasn't, a, it wasn't, a, I mean, it wasn't nothing, but it was Bryce Wilson, you know? Yeah. So, well, he'll, he'll, he'll have a whole offseason to figure it out. And if, you know, something bad happens, he might get a chance again. But yeah, if you're him, you just got to take it on the chin and understand that. Yep. Team's trying to win. Can't this, be mad. This can be the thing to light a fire and go, okay, I really do need to do something. I can't yeah. just expect things to change doing the same thing here. But you're not going to, you know, if it ain't broke, you're not going to fix it. Right. Well, now it's a little broke, broke now. <laughs> now it's broke. It's like send me the winter ball. Adjustment. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd be, you know, if I was in his shoes, I'd be willing to at least go down there and throw <laughs> 10 games, you know, throw some pens after yeah, the season, and, work on a pitch. And it's easier for a Latin dude anyway to go down there, you know? I mean, you don't have yeah. the whole culture thing and all that, and you can't understand anything. I mean, they're, comfort, they're a lot more comfortable yeah. on that. They like doing it. So I bet that'd be a good thing for him to just go throw nothing but sliders. You know, you might get torched a few times, but it gives you a chance to find it. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll be back at it with uh, after this series is over, probably. Uh, well, we'll do this Friday. The Braves hope it's over because you got games three and four uh, Monday and Tuesday. Wednesday is an off day. If if the thing goes five, we will go back to Milwaukee to play game five on Thursday. And the Braves obviously hope no. hope to avoid that. 
Yeah. In a good way. <laughs> stay in that haunted motel. <laughs> the Fister. They stay at the Fister, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we'll do we'll do another one of these after the series is over or, or or on the off day or something. We'll see. But these are these these games, these first two games have been great, man. Good ones. I know the Braves would have preferred to win both of them and other fans would, but they've been great games. But they Good made it series. home. They made even. it home even. So that's where you that's all you needed to do. You, you didn't expect to go up there. You would want to win both, but you couldn't have expected to go up there no. and win both of them against there. They got a guy that's going to be finished top three in a Cy Young and Burns. He's very good. Very yeah. good. Woodruff's going to get some Cy Young votes too. And I, I did Woodruff didn't scare me. I thought that, you know, I thought they, they could handle him, but Burns was really good. And that was a, that was a great pitch game by both sides. So. Burns is a lot to handle. Yeah. It's now you get into that second tier now with uh, Peralta and Anderson. And then we'll see neither team has said what they're going to do in game four. You know, I think a lot depends on what happens tomorrow night. Yeah. Who they have to use and all that kind of thing. But nobody's got a clear cut game four starter. Yeah. All right. That's it. 755 is real. These are good times. Playoffs. Got to love them. (laughs) 